Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast, and this is Pastor Derry. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus lets his disciples know that they would be receiving power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. 2,000 years later, does it appear that most Christians possess the power in their daily walk with God? Well, the answer is yes. We are in a season when believers are receiving their inheritance of the Holy Spirit's power from God from day to day, both in the church and outside the walls of the church. In today's message, we're going to deal with this power and God's desire to empower the church by his spirit. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. We've been talking about the presence of God, and we're going to continue talking about it. Last week, we talked about four chairs. And the four chairs we have mentioned before are four ways that people encounter God and his spirit. Four chairs represent different ways in which the Spirit of God, or excuse me, that all of us encounter God. And that first way is God's omnipresence. So the first chair we said is just the chair that is just experiencing the fact that God is here. And you may not believe it or may not believe it. You can be an atheist and still be believing it because you're experiencing the omnipresence of God, the fact that God is everywhere. No matter what, you don't have to believe it in order to accept it. You don't have to believe it in order to experience it. You just need to be alive. And the life force in you, whatever's making you tick, came from God. The second chair is the chair of manifestation. The chair that God shows up, we don't know how, and we may accept it or we might reject it. But we know something spiritual happened. The third chair is the visitation, where not only do we sense that God showed up, there's some sense that God is speaking to us. And I share with you, my father was a young man. He was young in the Navy, and he had an encounter with something and and had a, a, a scare, a life scare. And when that life scare happened, he heard the voice of God. And he said, the voice of God told him, I called you to preach my word. And so my father told me this story when my father was probably about 50 years old. And he said, son, I heard that voice and I've been running from it ever since. What happened? It was a visitation that was not met with acceptance. So God can visit you and you not accept the visitation. God can talk to you and you say, I don't want to hear that and go the other way. That's called Jonah. That God speaks and you know it's God, but you determine God said go left, which means I'm going right. And there are a lot of reasons why you would do that. I heard God speak to me once and God spoke to me something so clear, so vivid, so strong, but my feelings had me wrapped up and I could not obey God because I didn't feel like obeying God. (laughs) So I rejected the direction that I knew strongly came from God because my feelings wouldn't let me go there. Because in that part of my life, I was not yielded to God. And believe me, you can be a Christian, you can be a believer, you can love God and have areas of your life that are unrenewed and you resist God every time he comes to you. Love God. (laughs) 
but rejecting his directions. The fourth chair is the chair of the indwelling presence of God. It is that chair that we sit in when we are receiving from God, when we are aligned with God, we are unified with God, and God is dwelling with us, and we are willing to let him dwell there. The Spirit of God is upon us, and he anoints us and gives us a power and authority to do things, and we move and we operate with God. And most significant about, thing about this chair that I couldn't articulate last week is the relationship that happens when we're in that chair. When we're in this fourth chair, when we're in that chair about the indwelling presence of God, there is a relationship with God that occurs where there is a communication and there is a fellowship that happens with God from sitting in the chair. You can't get that relationship in the other chairs. So in the areas where I resist God, I can't experience God to the deepest level. And sometimes we desire to know God. We desire to talk to God. We desire to have relationship with God. But because we're in the wrong chair, we can't access the relationship that we desire. Even though our heart wants it. Our unrenewal prevents it. So there's a man who says to Jesus, when Jesus says, this is my direction to you, he said, Jesus, I believe but I need you to help me with my unbelief. I need you to help me with the part of me that just is struggling right now. I need to help you with the part of me that keeps running back to chair number two. I need you to help me, Jesus, in the parts of my life where I want to believe you, but I'm struggling with it. And that's real Christianity. Because what we've done in Christianity is we've said if we saw somebody sitting in the wrong chair, we said, look at them, they're weak. Look at them. They're not saved. Look at them. There's something wrong with them. Instead of recognizing, guess what? They turned around and saw you sitting over here one day. That is why God is love. That's why in Romans chapter 8, Jesus had, Paul had to say this. He had to say that if you're in the Spirit... There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who are walking after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Because the flesh can't talk to God. The flesh is enmity with God. The flesh battles against God. The flesh pushes off from God. The flesh keeps you in the other chairs when God is calling you and says, I want you to sit with me. The Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated with him. Guess what? Even though you're seated with him, you've got to stay in the chair. <laughs> this morning when we were in the circle, we were talking and, and uh, Janae was talking about, uh, about stepping up and stepping forward and pressing in. And she said, no buts. <laughs> and I leaned over to CJ and said, our butts are behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Your excuses are behind you, amen? No excuses. Take all your butts, and remember, your butt belongs behind you, not in your future. It belongs backwards. There are no butts in my future. There are no excuses in my future, amen? Tell your neighbor, say, my butt's behind me. (laughs) It's okay to laugh. You know, y'all know it was funny. Acts chapter 1, verse (laughs) 8. 
There's four chairs. Each represents an experience with God. Because you mature in different areas of your Christian life, you can actually be sitting in more than one chair at a time. When it comes to using your gifts and talents, you might be right square in the fourth chair. You might be right there. Praise God, I can, oh, the gifts flow out of me. But then when it comes to relating to other people, you might be way over in, in you know, I just believe that God is. You might be all the way in the first chair. Because we don't expect God to show up in our relationships. Or we don't expect God to talk to us about our relationships. And so we're way over in just the omnipresence of God. When it comes to health, you might sit in the third chair where you say, God is talking to me about my health and I'm struggling with how to follow the direction. And when it comes to your resources, you might be sitting in the second chair and you say, you know what, God, whenever you show up, I'm going to get out of this hole. That's the reality of Christianity. Because you don't go anywhere until you renew your mind. Jesus told his disciples, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. There are two big points here in this passage that we read and we know, but we need to catch the revelation. Number one is you shall receive power. Whenever a Christian believes that the environment is more powerful than what God is, we're denying the power within. I have been in situations where I felt like the environment was bigger than me, and so I reverted to thinking about me, and I stopped thinking about God. You see, Peter, one night, there's a storm, and him and the disciples are in the boat, and they look out, and here is Jesus walking on water which means Jesus was bigger than the environment. Jesus is not only walking on water, he's walking on water in a storm. Not just water, not a swimming pool, not Lake Merritt, not Lake Chabot. He's on the lake in a storm. And the waves are going about, and Jesus is just walking on the water. They're so much so, they said, it must be a ghost out there. And Peter looks out, he said, no, it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the water. What kind of question is that? What if it ain't him and it's just calling you out anyway? (laughs) Jesus, if it's you, call me out on the water. Peter gets out of the boat in the storm and starts walking on the water. And for a moment, he believes God more than he believes the environment. But then the waves started crashing and he started sensing the storm and he began to sink. And as he began to sink, he called out to Jesus, 
Jesus grabs his hand and asks him a question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? He didn't tell him, you don't have no faith. He didn't tell him that. He asked him, where was his faith? See, see, when we're talking about the fourth chair is about faith. The fourth chair is about faith. It's about believing God. But I can't ask you to believe because believing is not an action. See, Peter took an action. He jumped into the water and began walking on water in a storm. He's walking. And what does happen? A miracle's going on. Because for a moment he believes. But you can't tell him to believe. Because you can't, somebody can't tell you to believe. Just believe. I can't, why do I, I can't just believe. And guess what? I have seen people trying to believe, trying to believe. I've seen people trying to receive the Holy Spirit, trying to believe, trying to believe. And people trying to get something. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe. Jesus, I believe you. Help me with my unbelief. See, believing is not the action that you need. There's the, the action that's required is steps of faith. He said, what's the difference? Believing is waiting until your picture is totally clear. But faith is the substance of things you hope for that you can't even see. See, belief is what you're sure of. You know it. You got it locked in. It's it's undoubted. I came in here. I believe this seat. I weigh 245 pounds, and I believe this chair can take it. No fear. I'm not worried about it. I don't care. I'm, I look at it. I believe I can sit down and I'm not sitting down tender or cautious. I believe in that chair and I'll sit in it. Why do I believe? I believe because I have something in me that's told me that that chair can hold me. And when I see a chair like that, I believe it can hold me. Somewhere along the line, I got faith. Somewhere along the line, I got faith. Jesus, where's your faith? Jesus asked the man, where's his faith? Acts chapter 1 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I can ask you, do you believe this? But ultimately, what makes a difference is, can you take a step of faith into it? Can you take a step of faith into it? The second thing here that's important to understand is that you shall be my witness. You shall be a witness to me. How do you become a witness to Jesus? You become a witness to Jesus by what you experience with him. A false witness is someone who testifies about stuff they don't know. 
If they call me into a courtroom and ask me a question concerning stuff I did not see, I did not experience, and I start testifying like I saw it, I would be a false witness. Well, I've, I, think it, I think he had on a green coat, and I think he had on brown pants, and... Uh, And then when I was talking to Jojo, Jojo said, dot, dot, dot. Mr. Bolton, were you there? No, I was talking to Jojo. Well, you're a false witness. What are you doing? You're wasting our time. Get out of here. We're looking for a witness. Jesus said, he said, you're going to see the spirit. And when the spirit comes upon you, you're going to be a witness. In other words, Jesus is going to do stuff in your life through the Holy Spirit that will make you a witness the fact that God is real and that he's alive and he's working. That he's going to actually do stuff in your life that will cause people to be able to hear from you and you tell them, yes, God is a healer. Yes, God is a provider. Yes, God is able to do. Yes, God loves me. I have felt the love of God. Yes, I have indeed encountered God in this way or that way or this or that. Yes, I have indeed seen God work miracles on my behalf. Yes, I have indeed seen God do things for me, which is why the enemy wants you to discount what God has already done for you. Because if he can get you to discount, then you'll think your testimony is not worth telling. Well, all I saw was I mean, all you saw was that's what you were supposed to see. <laughs> you see, my salvation was a miracle. My salvation was a miracle. <laughs> so I testify concerning my salvation that I used to be an atheist and now I love God and I'm a pastor. Good God Almighty. <laughs> what? It's a miracle. <laughs> but guess what? Yours is too. Your life and your salvation is a miracle because you were a sinner born that way. And God transformed you from the inside out. And now look at you. You shall be witnesses. See, here's, here's what's happening in the world system right now. The world system is trying to get Christians not to be proud of the fact that God is moving in their midst. We, the enemy tries to get us to not, not think that God is able, that God is not doing things. God is not, it don't work that way. We have to send people to here or there to get answers. We don't believe they can answers at the altar of God. When we do that, we reduce God to omnipresent. That's not how the chair four talks. Chair four believes God is able and God will do more than we believe or ask or think. Amen? Amen. Turn the book of John. I read this to you a little bit early, but we're going to go to John chapter 16.
John chapter 16. We're going to begin at verse 12, though. John 16, verse 12. It says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus has many things to teach us. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn in the kingdom. But we can't always take it where we are. In other words, God has to give us revelation bit by bit. I took a calculus class in college. And when I took the calculus class, I was sitting there in the class, and the very first thing, the very first day, the instructor went up and he wrote this huge equation on on the wall. And he's, he's writing and he's talking and he's writing and he's talking and he keeps on writing and he goes to the next level. He's talking and he's writing and he's talking and he's writing. And then all of a sudden he just turned and he said, am I right or what? And everybody, everybody in the room turns around and look, they look at each other because like, what? We, we, we couldn't grasp it. We couldn't understand it. He wrote all that stuff on the, on the wall and we're like, what? We don't even understand. We don't even know what language you're talking But by the end of the class, we understood it all. See, you're walking with God, and there's a lot of things you don't understand about the kingdom. There's a lot of things that that you're reading in your Bible, and you don't understand it. You don't grasp it yet. And you think, man, I'm sitting in in the second chair because I don't get it over here. I don't understand what they're talking about over here. Every time I come to the chair, I don't know. I have a clue what they're talking about. So I'm going back to the chair. No, stay in the chair. Because in my first temptation, when I, he did all that, my first temptation was to drop the class. My first temptation was to drop the class. I need to get out of here. I'm not going to understand all that. I got to get out of here. I don't need an F on my transcript. I already got Fs on my transcript. <laughs> I don't need that in my life right now. I got to get out of here. Human nature, if you don't understand, you want to run and you want to get to an easier seat that's more acceptable, that's easier, that's more comfortable for you. But there's challenges in this chair that if you stay in the chair, by the end of the time God has you in the chair, you will come out with new revelation, new understanding, and able to do more than you were able to do before. But it requires you to stay in the chair. You're going to become a witness if you can stay in the chair. I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. You can't. Some things God's taking you through, you don't know why you're going through it, and you want to get out of it fast as possible. Can you just get me out of here, please? Lord, I'm praying for an exit sign. Show me the way out. Just show me the way out, and I'll be fine. Just get me out of here, Lord. But sometimes you're like Jesus who in the book of Luke chapter 4, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. (laughs) Sometimes the Spirit is taking you to the wilderness. So he can destroy you? No. So he can reveal you. See, in the wilderness is where you get revealed. In the wilderness is where what's in you, it comes out of you. And if what's in you is of God, it's going to come out if you go to the wilderness. And sometimes when you go there, what's bad is coming out because it's got to get pulled out so that the good that's in you can be revealed. 
when they take gold and they say, this gold is good. We just dug it out of the ground. It's pure. It's in its pure state. But that's not the state we want it in. Its pure state is dirty. Its pure state is mixed with all kinds of stuff. We want it purer than that. So what do we do? We take that natural gold that's been pulled out of the ground. that's so valuable. We had to dig for it and we stick it in a fire and we melt it. Melt off everything that's not what we want to reveal something shiny. Woo! Wow! Gold, silver, platinum, whatever it is, we purify it by taking it through a fire, and the wilderness in your life is fire. And it's come to burn things off of you so that when you're revealed, you are something precious. Your value was already known when you were pulled out of the ground, which is why somebody wasted the time to mine it out. (laughs) See, God sees your value when you're at your lowest point. He sees it, knows what it is, and he's not afraid to dig you out of where you are and bring you somewhere so he can refine you and cleanse you and get you purified so that when you are revealed to the world, people wonder where you came from. (laughs) I got many things to talk to you about, but right now you ain't ready for it. Amen? Tell your neighbor, I ain't ready for that, but I will be ready. Come on, you need to know that. Verse 13, John 16, verse 13. However, even though you don't understand, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, He will guide you. You know why you need the Holy Spirit? You need the Spirit to guide you. You need the Holy Spirit to be your guide, to take you places that you can't go on your own, to take you into things that you shouldn't know. (laughs) I sat in a room where I was not supposed to be. It was an executive meeting, and I wasn't supposed to be there. And we had rules that if you're not one of the executives, you're not supposed to say anything. You're just in there either to hear, take your own personal notes, whatever the case. And they're talking about an issue they can't figure out. And I knew the answer. I don't have the qualifications of anybody in the room. And they're talking, and I, without a doubt, I knew clear as day. It was like it it stood up and said, here I is. It's like it stood up on the middle of the table and talked to me. And I was like, I'm thinking, they don't see this? They can't see this? And, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, I can't say nothing. And I'm sitting there because I know it. I know the answer to the problem. I know it just as clear as day, but I'm not supposed to say anything. How did I know and they didn't know? Holy Spirit, talk to me. And so I wrote down on a piece of paper, and I gave it to my director, and she looked at it, <laughs> and she said, uh, uh, Derry has something to talk about, because she wasn't going to say it. <laughs> and they said, go ahead. I said it, and they all sat there, and then they started, then they started to argue about it, you know, the, the, you know, 20 minutes later. It was the answer. Listen, 
when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. But you have to believe that he will indeed guide you to truth. Because some truth he guides you to will be truth that's not common for everybody else. Some truth he guides you to is spiritual in its nature, and so people haven't gotten it yet. Do you know how long people walked past trees before they figured out they could build with them? Think about it. How long did people build with mud or whatever else? How long did people walk past trees before they figure out they could cut the tree and actually build with the tree? It had that capacity all the time. How many other things that people walk past over and over again and they see it and don't understand it? How many times did people eat peanuts before George Washington Carver went into a laboratory and asked God, show me how this thing works? And then now we can have plastic and we got all kinds of stuff. Why? Because one man asked God how something works. However, when the spirit of truth has come upon you, he will guide you. See, in church, we don't believe that God will guide us outside the walls of the church. And so sometimes we have restricted God to being this holy sense and presence that we have inside the building and not recognize that God will talk to you outside of this building as clearly as he will talk to you inside this building. Sometimes we have forgotten that we are the ecclesia. We are the church. We are individually churches and members one of another and that God will talk to us at any time, any place. I got many things to tell you, but I don't know if you can bear it. He will glorify me. Excuse me. Let me go back to verse 13. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Who's talking to the Holy Spirit? Jesus and the Father. They are one. The conversation the Holy Spirit hears, he hears from heaven. He hears from heaven and he gives ears on the earth to tell us what conversation is happening in heaven. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. I'm laughing because that is... (laughs) That is a powerful revelation right there. (laughs) He will speak what he hears. He's got ears in heaven. And he will tell you things to come. In other words, from heaven, the Holy Spirit will tell you things that are only... In earth, the Holy Spirit will tell you that are only known in heaven. (laughs) Oh, my God. And he lives in here? Wow. (laughs) He will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. I talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to go deep into that. He's going to take what belongs to Jesus and declare it to us. 
He's going to take what's possession from heaven and declares it to us that we can receive. My gateway to heaven is the spirit that lives in me, and the spirit is only accessible from the fourth chair. It's only accessible when I'm in Christ, when I'm in him. Otherwise, I wait on things to manifest in other ways. But the power is to reside, to let him live and reside and move in me and be in me all the time. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Listen. Holy Spirit is here to empower you, to guide you, to give you instructions, to give you wisdom, to ensure you of God's promises, to reveal His Word to you. That when you read the Bible that you don't understand sometimes, that he gives it spiritual understanding, that all of a sudden he gives you revelation from the inside. The Holy Spirit is here to ensure that you can have courage in the time of challenge. That you, you're, you're, you're assured of God's presence and it gives you courage. Two guys had a fight, and one guy was about 6'6", and the other guy was about 5'2". They had a fight. And somebody said, why would the 5'2 guy fight that other guy? He said he had liquid courage. He got some liquid courage in him, and he got fired up, and he wasn't afraid anymore. (laughs) Some things will make you, it'll drop your fear. So if liquid courage works, why wouldn't the Holy Spirit work? As a matter of fact, here's the the evidence. In Ephesians chapter 5, he said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah, guess what? The Holy Spirit will give you courage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Listen, you need courage for where you're going. You need courage for where you're going. You need the Holy Spirit fully in residence. You need to be in position where you are, are, are in confidence of God, where you're ready for the Spirit of God to move with you. You need to be in position so that when challenges come your way that you are ready for them, that you're not waiting for the world to give you answers. You believe in God for His answers, kingdom answers to come to you and through you, that you be a witness. 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 Be a witness. Be a witness. Declare what God has already done for you. Start to declare what God has already moved in you. What has God already brought you? What has God already brought you through? When you start making that declaration, you will start finding that the chair is easier to stay in. When you start making the declaration of what God has already done, what, what did David do when he faced Goliath? When he faced Goliath, he wasn't a warrior. He was a caterer that day. 
All the armies are out there. David is sent by his father with food to bring his brothers who were warriors. David wasn't in the army. David was coming with cheese and milk for his brothers. The caterer. The caterer. The caterers who slew Goliath. Not the warriors, the caterer. The caterer get to kill a giant in a valley screaming at an army. Why does the caterer get the privilege of doing that? Because <laughs> the caterer got courage because he said, I killed lions and I killed bears. And guess what? I'm calling to mind. God is with me. God's been with me in struggles and challenges before, and I'm calling all this to mind. And guess what? I can sit here with the spirit, and guess what? Then he could go down and talk trash to him before he kills him. You coming at me with a sword and spear. I ain't got nothing but a rock and the Holy Ghost. You going down today. I'm going to feed you to the birds. <laughs> what? The caterer's talking bad like that? Yes, the caterer. Why? Because God was with him. See, if you don't believe that God is with you, you won't talk crazy like that. It's when you start to believe, that's when all of a sudden, when you let God's word start getting in your heart and saturating and getting your confidence up and you start recalling to mind the blessing that God has had in your life, what God has done for you. And when you start getting there and you start sitting here in this seat, all of a sudden you start mm, expecting God to do, expecting God to work on your behalf, expecting God to do things and favor you, expecting God to work things out, expecting God to do something awesome. <laughs> Woo! How many of y'all need God to do something awesome today? Come on. How many of y'all need God to do something awesome? Now, how many of y'all believe God can do something awesome? Come on. God can do some awesome stuff. Amen. God can do some awesome things. <laughs> I'm going to tell you one story and then we're going to get out of here. You know, let me tell you this. Presence, purpose of the presence. First is God wants to commune with his people. This is a little summary here before I tell this. He wants to commune with his people. He wants to have relationship with us and fellowship. Our worship is all about relationship and fellowship. It's all about talking to God, being with God, having the presence of God around us. That's the very first thing. The second thing is to confirm his word to his people. He confirms his word with signs and wonders. He wants to live with us because he wants to confirm the fact that Jesus is real and that Jesus is alive in us. The third thing is that he wants to empower and inspire his people to do great and mighty things. You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. I want to empower you. God wants you to have power. That's what we have to be confident of. God wants us powerful. Because a lot of religious teaching says God wants us weak. But God actually wants us power. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have said, you shall receive power. That's one of those little religious things that will ride in your back pocket if you don't be aware of it. Jesus said, you're going to receive power, not you're going to become weak. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I got power. I don't know what you got. <laughs> he came to empower and inspire his people to do great and mighty things. Number four, he calls his people to action. He called his people to action. When the disciples, when the spirit of the Lord came upon them, they went out the doors and they began declaring the wonderful works of God. 
so much so that people thought they were drunk. Number five, he comes to comfort and to heal and restore his people. If you have wounds and you have burdens, you have to receive God's healing. You have to receive God's healing. And when the enemy wants to tell you that you're not healed, you need to say, no, you're, you're a liar. I am healed. You are, I am healed. Not only, not only am I healed, I'm healed so well I forgive those that afflicted me. I'm healed and I forgive. I let, matter of fact, I let them off the hook. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. When somebody does something wrong, I forgive them and vengeance is mine. The Lord's going to get you. That's not forgiveness, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm letting God do whatever God's going to do. I'm not going to sit there and wait for God to get you. How many of y'all ever waited for God to get somebody? Yeah, let's be honest. We know. We know. Yeah, he, Pastor, Pastor Ed said, heal him, Lord. <laughs> yes, be healed. And last, to inspire courage, faith, and new vision. Courage, faith, and new vision. That's what God wants for you by the Spirit. That's what the fourth chair is. The fourth chair is those six things. Communing with God. Confirming his word, being empowered, being called to action, to bring healing, and to inspire courage. Praise the Lord. So there was a... Somebody I knew that um, was struggling in an area of their life. You know, struggling really significantly, really, really seriously. So they went through a process of kind of coming to understanding, coming to the Lord. And as they were coming to the Lord, they were kind of getting into things and they were studying the Word and we were talking about different things God was blessing them with. And then one day, they were overcome with guilt. A spirit of guilt came, and it overwhelmed them. And it overwhelmed them so much that they said, you know what, I can't, I can't do church. I, this, the, what's on me is too much. I can't do church. They stepped away and when they stepped away, something worse came upon them. Because it was a trap. It was a trap. And the overwhelming sense that they received was a result of not them being unaccepted by God. It was because they couldn't release what God said was no longer theirs. See, they were, they were dwelling in guilt, and the guilt kept telling them, you're not worthy to sit in the seat. You're not, you're not that kind of person. 
Those other Christians, they're, they, they're, they're good folks. They, you know, they grew up in good environments, and they, they had it good. They, they, they had it okay, but you, you don't belong in that seat. And so the person jumped out of the seat, and they were overwhelmed by something that wanted them all along. Here's what I'm trying to get to. I want you to understand that <clears throat> it doesn't make a difference where you stand right now. It's about the choice that you stay, make to stay where God brings you and to even go to further into the things of God. See, see there's, there's no, no differentiation between anybody sitting in this room except the decisions that we make to receive, to take steps of faith, not to think about when will I believe that I'm good enough. No, I'm just going to take a step of faith. If God said it, I'm just going to take it no matter if I feel like I am or not. Even if I don't feel like I'm worthy, I'm going to take a step and experience God's love because God will persuade me that I was valuable, even though I was just a dirty rock. <laughs> and I'm being purified. And the truth about me is being revealed because I will stay in the seat. You're going to receive power, and you will be a witness. God's going to use you to witness and testify. God's going to use your story to convert people to him. God's going to use what God has done in your life. He's going to use it in such a way that you are going to see other people's lives be changed because of you, because of what God does through you, because everything God does, he does to make us valuable for others. He always makes us valuable to other people. My testimony is what's valuable to somebody else. It's not that valuable to me anymore. It's valuable to somebody else. It's valuable to some mother who needs to hear that her atheist child could actually get saved. It's valuable for some atheist to sit down and ask me questions until they're satisfied that, yeah, you really were an atheist. <laughs> you are a tool of God, and God says you will be his witness all because of the presence. Amen. Let's stand on your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. We thank you that today, Lord, you will move in the hearts and minds of everybody here. I thank you right now, Lord, for persuading every person in this room of your presence. Persuade every person in this room that your presence is with them today, that you desire to be with them to fellowship with them, to connect with them. You desire to speak truth to them. You desire to take what is Jesus's and declare it to them. All things that come with salvation, I think it belongs to them right now in the name of Jesus. I think everyone in this room receives everything that belongs to them. The things that God has made available to us. I thank you. Every person in this room receives it right now. I thank you that their faith is turned toward God to trust in you and your way. That we trust in you over trusting other things. Give us the faith of Peter to walk on water, to take steps of faith. And when our faith shakes, we thank you that Jesus will be there to grab our hand. So we don't have to be afraid to step out of the boat because you will be there with us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to move in this place right now. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, you are welcome, Lord. 
Lord, to fill every heart in this place right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Anyone that came in empty, I thank you right now. Fill them up right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you right now for your spirit moving in hearts and minds, renewing us, strengthening us with might in the inner man right now. We praise you and give you glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message was titled, You Shall Receive Power, from our series titled, The Presence of God. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our website, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you by myself and our other associate pastors at Abundant Life Worship Center. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page, and our Facebook address is facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks a lot for listening today, and God bless you, and we'll see you at our next podcast. Until then, I invite you to stay in the fourth chair, and remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.